Hey everyone, uh, welcome to Southside's online service again. Uh, thanks for joining us again this week. Um, if you are joining us for the first time, that's awesome. Uh, if you were here last week, that's great as well. We'll be uh, continuing to do this online as much as we can in the near future. Uh, I'm joined with Elizabeth, uh, if Hi. you can see. Hey, Elizabeth. Hi, Ben. Um, welcome. I mean, normally you're doing the intro to church. Yes, uh, welcome to Southside. Yeah. It's lovely to have you here this morning. That's right. Uh, <laughs> it's nice to hear that, actually. It makes us feel safe. Now, and we are social distancing. We um, are. Even though we're married, this is what our life has become now. Um can you tell us, I mean, we, we've been talking to a number of people uh, throughout the week about what it kind of feels like missing church. What, what have you missed as church has kind of stopped being able to gather together in this season? I think I have actually missed the people coming to Southside on a Sunday. It's like a buzz here. Um, and this morning there's only a small amount of us and being encouraged by people, um, seeing people's faces when they sing. Um, yeah, the people. I really have missed being with my Southside family. Yeah, that's right. As you can see behind us, uh, empty chairs, uh, especially between this massive gap here. Um, that's right. And, and you mentioned too, we've got a few people here. We've got literally the amount of number we can have have here to make yes. this thing happen uh, just to be very clear about that um, yeah it is sad that we are missing the people we're going to be pushing into today we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 13 uh, and pushing into what we still have as a church uh, but that's coming up now you help us out with our social media stuff. Yes, so look after social media stuff. Yeah, if you are someone who enjoys our social media stuff uh, on either Facebook or Instagram, then a lot of that credit goes to Elizabeth, uh, who does that. Uh, we are married, but I think most of the time that we spend together is Elizabeth updating. Not, not quite, but uh, she does a great job with that stuff. But can you help us? What's it going to look like for us today? and into the future to kind of be aware of how we deal with the social media stuff that we have to deal with. What can we do to help your job, I guess, in that space? I think if you are following all our social media platforms, so we have Instagram, Facebook, um, follow those like things, write things. Last week when we were um, watching the live, I was outside watching it. It was so encouraging. People saying good morning to each other in the comments, people writing things, even little jokes um, from what Sam was saying. It was so encouraging. Um, I was hearing from people that I don't normally get to see on a Sunday so because um, it's so busy here. Yeah, it was really encouraging to do that. So keep writing um, to each other, sharing things as well. I try and post things that are uplifting, that are encouraging. Um, so yeah, please share those things if you feel encouraged by them. It might encourage someone else as well. Um, so yeah, that's what I think would be helpful. Yeah, and as you're saying, so something that we have lost is we have to social distance ourselves, but that doesn't mean that we need to distance ourselves socially and we can still interact with one another. So like... Uh, like, love, react to stuff as you see it happening. You can do that on the run uh, with a live video. So you can do that today. I think one more thing as well, you said sharing it. Uh, we have an amazing chance to share this video and what we're going to doing today. So if you can right now, hit the share button to your page and that will um, continue to kind of help people see what um, we get in Jesus, what we have in a church. Yeah, we um, actually had a really big reach last week. Um, it was really encouraging to see how many people tuned in and watched and heard about Jesus. Um, it was really encouraging. Yeah. yeah. And uh, one more thing that I don't think you mentioned, but is super encouraging. 
is take a picture of your family as you're watching church uh, or this service today. Take a picture and send it in because that's always super encouraging as we see that as well. Uh, if you're not uh, following Facebook or Instagram, then let us encourage you to do that as well. Um, you can be across both platforms, as you said. One will probably do it as well if that's all you need to do. Uh, now, you're going to read the Bible for us today? Yes, I'm going to read the Bible. Awesome. So yep. we're in 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. So if you guys have your Bibles at home, um, please turn to 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 10 for us now. So I'll start um, at verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clashing cymbal. If I have the gifts of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and give over my body to the hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part what we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Awesome. Thanks, no Elizabeth. No worries. Uh, we're going to trade Elizabeth in some, some ways. She's going to step out. And Ross Mate. is going to come in. How you going? Hey, Ross. Uh, if you uh, have been following online stuff recently and you haven't seen Ross, it's good to see you, Ross. Thanks, mate. And now I know why you're always on Facebook, because you're married to the person who looks <laughs> yeah, after social media. Oh, yeah, and that's right. That answers everything. Yeah, that, that does answer everything. Um, so we're going to push into this passage today. Yeah. Uh, but I thought before we do, if you could pray for us, maybe that'd be helpful. And then you're going to take us through this passage. But I'm going to stay, stay here. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, yep, let me pray. Dear Father God, we just thank you for uh, assuring us that no matter where we are, we meet together around your word, around you, and you meet with us through your spirit. So Lord, we pray that as we dig deeper in what it means to uh, love each other, to know you and love you, that you would be with us and speak to us this morning, we pray wherever we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, the last couple of weeks, uh, just to fill us in on what you've been up to and where you've been, why we haven't seen uh, Ross Wilson in COVID-19. Yeah, some interesting things happened. Um, so, yeah, when things started to blow up, I was like, oh, man, I think I've got something going on with my throat. Hey, I'm feeling a bit sweaty. I think to do the right thing by everybody, social isolation might be the best thing to do. Uh, apparently, it turns out that 
this sort of stuff happens after you have a 50th birthday and you celebrate for a whole week and um, there, there's some after effects of being run down. So I think I'm safe now. I haven't come across anybody with yeah. the virus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm back in action now. So you had planned, we put it on this calendar, you had planned for about, a, I think, 18 months of this birthday week. <laughs> Just got in uh, to yeah. celebrate your birthday to get, uh, with the people around you. 50th, the big 5 -0. That's right. Uh, 50 is the new 20, though, I'm hearing. Mate. Then you got sick, uh, <laughs> shaking that off now. But last week, so we had our online service last week, and you were at home for that, kind of yeah, tuning yeah. in to watch that. What yep. was your experience, or, or what were your feeling as you got to watch church yeah, online yeah. in some sort of way? Yeah, I mean, there was a sense of sadness that... Um, it's not the same sitting, we did it at our dining room table. Uh, it's, it is a little bit different. But also to miss the, um, to gather around in uh, singing was a big thing for me. Um, you know, you know me, I usually sit up the front, I'm closest to the band. Uh, and I'm really engaged. I love the music and I love engaging with God and just being um, refocused every Sunday morning when we come together to sing. I tried that at home and singing by myself just didn't cut it. It wasn't quite the same. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, yeah, the, the, I, I miss music. Yeah, yeah, it's a big loss uh, that we haven't don't have music, as Elizabeth said, don't have kind of this the people moment together. Uh, and as we think about what we have at what we haven't got at the moment, there's lots of things that we haven't got. So we don't have the Sunday gathering, we don't have physical gatherings throughout the week. Um, we miss the food as well <laughs> on Sundays. Um, oh, I still have food. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> still got that at home. Maybe for sure. prepared for you. The smell of sausage rolls coming through during the service. We've lost a lot of stuff, but I guess it raises the question for us as we get to this passage this morning, what have we still got? We've, we've lost a lot of church, but, but what do we still have? That's right. There is a scenario where um, Paul wants to push into the, to the Corinthian church that he's writing to to say, hey, there's, there's one particular thing you need to really make sure you don't lose. The other stuff, well, you know, it's important. We love it. We miss it when we don't have it. But there's that one thing, and that's that. Yeah, pointing them to love. Yeah. That it never, never fails. Don't, don't go away from that. So we want to, yeah, just spend some time thinking about that. We have lost a lot of stuff, and we miss it, and it's hard without it. But we do want to remember uh, what what does unite us as a church, and what's something we don't want to let go. So we want to spend some time thinking about that this morning. Yeah, and so this passage kind of does that for us, I guess, in some ways. It, it, it says, as you're saying, um, the bit before this passage, if you've got your Bibles there at home, in chapter 12, it talks about um, how the body operates together, that we are to use our gifts to serve one another. And then it gets into chapter 13. And as you're saying, in verse 1 to 3 there, we see exactly what you're saying. If you have this stuff and, and don't have love, you're, you're kind of losing something or missing something. Yeah, that's right. Um it is, uh, he's speaking to a church that does try and big note themselves and try to be impressive. And it, so he's addressing the issue there for them. It's going, you know, you can um, do church well, but when it comes to being impressive, what is impressive? The big show or the actual, what's going on inside the heart? Uh, do you want me to start working through some verses here just to show us what's going on here? Because there's some stuff, the first few verses, he talks about what is not love. And what what the uh, the trap that we can fall into when uh, we do church bad, uh, and even as individuals or as a church. So even in verse one, he says, "If I speak in the tongues of men 
or of angels. And what he's talking about there is you can imagine walking into a church and somebody's got this uh, amazing gift of speaking, but not only the, the speaking in language we understand, but the language of angels. And there he's talking about uh, often in the early church we read, we read particularly in the book of Acts, we see people speaking what they call tongues, which is they call it the language of angels. We can't understand it. It sounds a bit gobbledygook. Uh, but in the book of Acts, it's actually something that's very affirming that God's saying, hey, I'm gonna, I am really in these people and his spirit uses them to talk in these other languages. Uh, so often you see tongues as a good thing. But what Paul's saying, you go into this church and he says, see somebody speaking in tongues or of angels, but they don't have love. He says, when you do that, you're only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Yeah. So there's an impressiveness to the tongues thing. Yeah. But if you don't have lung, uh, if you don't have love, sorry, um, then you're a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. So what's that kind of, what's that idea? I mean, it's not just we all get what resounding gongs sound. Yeah. Like. He's not saying you're like a drum kit. He's not saying that. Uh, but what historians think's going on there is that in uh, those times when they had pagan churches and pagan temples, we should say, and they, what they try and do there is to try and try and draw attention from their God. So they'd go to the temple, they would bang their cymbals and bang their gongs to try and get God's attention. And they're, what they're basically saying is they're trying to get their God's attention to go, hey, look at me. I'm important. I want your attention. Come, come to me. Um, so what Paul's saying, though, is that's not the way God works. But if you try and do this, tongue, speaking tongues of men or angels, and you don't have love, you're just like the guys down at the pagan temple. They just make it all about themselves, going, hey, look at me. God, look at me. And look at everybody else. They're, they're, I'm the impressive one that needs the attention. So yeah. yeah, so it's, it's pointless. It's, it's futile if you're missing love. Yeah. yeah, you can be impressive, but if you're missing love, there's something crucial that you're missing. Exactly. Yeah. And he goes that in the next verse too, verse two. If I have the gifts of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, uh, and if I have a faith that can move mountains. There he's talking about um, what most scholars believe, a kind of a leadership. You know, you can imagine the church leader has got the gift of prophecy and the prophecy is talking about you know, a message from God. It's only from God. So they, they're speaking God's word. Uh, they can fathom all mysteries and, and have all knowledge. Like these guys are smart preachers and they're good communicators. They're the sort of guys, if you went into a church, they go, wow, this guy's good. I want to listen to him because he just, he's just got it. But he says, even if I have the faith that can move mountains, and even there he's talking about guys um, that have big visions. Not that they can literally move mountains, but they've got a big vision to, you know, we can take on that mountain and they've got the faith to believe it. We can really do this. That's impressive faith. So all this is impressive. The prophecy, understanding mysteries and knowledge, amazing faith that looks impressive. But then he says, but I do not have love. I am nothing. Mm. It's powerful. Nothing, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it's, it, so if I can do that but don't have love, I'm still missing something crucial again. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And it's not as if we can do that with our um, with practice and rehearsing, our, the right extrovert character or anything like that. It's actually, Paul says in, at the start of that verse, if I have the gift of these things. So it actually is suggesting that God's actually giving the gift of these things to people. Uh, which kind of goes, wow, if God's going to gift them, they must be impressive. They must be the godly person. So I guess in some sense it's saying then that the external abilities doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's fruitful, it's good, it's useful. 
here he's saying you can have those gifts, but if you don't have love, there's actually something crucial again that you're missing as a church, as a people, as an individual before, before God and your usefulness in the community. Yeah, so God can use people, whatever means possible, to equip the saints or to, to preach, um, uh, to have big faith. But it's all about God. It's not about them because he's saying, no, you're nothing if you haven't got love with that. Now, there's one more as well there. If I give all that I possess to the poor, so kind of touching on generosity there. And again, it's, uh, he, he's talking about that I may boast, so it's, it's a personal gain in verse 3. But again, he says, if I'm doing that for myself and don't have love, I gain nothing. Exactly right. And this is one that hits hard at home because maybe the first two verses, uh, we kind of think of the people are up front of church and you know they're, they're doing their thing. But this is like, for our heroes, really. And I think it's interesting times now with the coronavirus that uh, we like good news stories, we like heroes. We've heard of people who are uh, going out, buying shopping, buying groceries and sharing toilet paper for other people. Um, also, there was a guy who went to the uh, Centrelink queue the other day and gave out a $100 note to everybody standing in the queue. It's like, wow, that's impressive. That's our hero. They're the good news stories that we like people being generous. And Paul's saying, you know, this, is, this is a good thing. If I give all I possess to the poor, give over my body to hardship, you know, I'm sacrificing myself for others. But then he says that I may boast about it. It's all about me, but I, I, I don't have love and I gain nothing. It's like, again, it's coming back to that. Is it all about me or is it all about others? And Paul's saying, mate, if you're doing all those things to help people, to give out $100 bills just for your 15 minutes of fame to make the news, you're not actually loving others. You're actually doing it for yourself, and that's not love. Yeah, so the question then is, we, we can see this play out for the Corinthian church. There's this sense there, if you have the impressive church, tongues, prophecy, great leadership, even super generous and stuff like that, um, but you don't have love, then you're missing something. Um, but I guess the question is, what does this like look like for us today? And, and do you see this playing out for us in, in this present moment for us today? It, it's interesting, isn't it? I think it sort of sets up this, uh, this tension of church is actually a potentially dangerous place for people just to be proud and think of themselves. And I think of me, and I'm not sure whether you do this, but as a preacher, you get up, you work hard at your text, you work hard at teaching something that's from God, you work hard at communicating that the best way possible. Uh, and at the end of the day, when you go home, if you think you just go home all thinking, wow, I did a good job for God, but, but rather it's often like, wow, I actually, man, I killed it today. I did such a good job. And it's kind of like, give that pride an inch and it'll take a mile in your heart. So I think there's a lesson for all of us, whether we're involved in church and up the front, whether we're musos, we've just got to evaluate our motives. But it's not just those up front of church, it's actually all of us. All of us serving everywhere, you know, something like being generous. What's our motive? Um, and God can use people, uh, whether they're good or evil. Uh, God can, God, it's a gift from God, it's not about us. Now, I'm reminded as a preacher that uh, in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers, God used a donkey to speak and give a word from, the, from God. And I just think, wow, um, it, as soon as I think it's all about me, I'll be reminded, God can use a donkey to do my job. You know, how does that make me feel? Um, so we're easily, um, it, th there's no room for pride thinking it's about us because it's all about God.
Yeah, so you've got that, if I think that it's about me, if I'm lacking love, I mean, to, to capture those words there, he says, I'm a clanging symbol, I'm pointless, uh, I'm futile, it, it's making no efforts. Then he says, uh, if I've got faith that can move mountains without love, I am nothing. And then finally, I gain nothing even if I give stuff. So you've got this pointless, I am nothing, I gain nothing. It's kind of the efforts that we make if we don't have love for other people. Yeah. Um, and this is right because we often, there's, there's just this thing inside of us that wants attention from either God or others, want affirmation to go, I matter, you know, I'm important, you need to care about me. And if we do these things to thinking that we're going to get God's attention, Paul's assuring us, no, you're actually nothing. And if you go, oh man, but I'm doing all this stuff, surely I deserve something. He goes, no, no, you deserve nothing. Like yeah. He's really strong on that. And it's, um, it's really challenging because often you can do those things, which is what we've touched on, and you get praise from other people, affirmation from other people. But ultimately, when it comes to God, the person who it matters the most, he's saying, no, that if we're doing that for personal motives, we gain nothing, we are nothing, we're like a, clang a clanging symbol. Um, it, it's pointless. I'm reminded of uh, in Matthew, there's this moment where Jesus is saying that uh, people will do miracles and will prophesy in Jesus' name and get to heaven. And Jesus will say these kind of really shocking words, depart from me, I never knew you. And it's kind of, I guess, summarizing this idea of you can do all the right stuff, but if the relationship with God is not there or if it's for the wrong motives, it doesn't actually matter. That's right. That's a very confronting verse, that one in uh, Matthew just about, yeah, if we think we're impressing God or deserving of something, particularly heaven, uh, if Jesus says, go away, I never knew you. It's like, God did use them, but it's not about them. It's about God. Yeah. So that is confronting. So this passage then, the first three verses, you've got, if you've got all this stuff without love, you know, you are nothing, you gain nothing, you're a, a clanging gong or whatever it is. Yep. The beauty of this passage, though, is it doesn't just, tell us you know if you do these things without love the consequences of that but it also goes into what love is and so we find ourselves entering into what love is and this is probably if you're sitting at home and you're married maybe one of the verses that you used at your wedding um, because it's the love is passage uh, so it, it pushes into that yeah it's uh it's a good passage to pull out to your spouse every now and again and go hey look you promised this is what we had at our wedding ceremony yeah. but this passage is so much more dangerous than just uh for for weddings yeah the application goes way wider yeah um can i read it for us let's do it so i'm reading from verse four just to remind us uh what love is love is patient love is kind it does not envy it does not boast it is not proud it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And that's, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on there. That's heavy stuff when you go through what all those things mean. So what I thought we might do just to help understand what's going on here is to uh, uh, just ask three questions. How, how not to read this verse? Um, and I'm not saying you shouldn't have it at weddings, but to feel the weight of it at weddings. But how not to read it, how we should read it, and how do we do it? That's kind of the three questions I'm going to ask of this. How not to read it 
is like seeing this as a list. You know, you're starting, you get your notepad there and you're writing, I must be more patient, more kind. And as the week goes on, you're starting to tick the box. Yep, I'm more patient, I'm more kind, envy. Like I'm actually growing in these areas and I'm ticking the box. I'm becoming a more loving person. Now, we've got to remember what this is all about. It's all about love is about others and not ourselves. So if we go along ticking the box thinking, aren't I good? I'm being a more loving person. What are we doing? We're doing what Paul just said not to do. We make it all about us. Yeah, so if we've got, um, I just think of as you were describing that, you know, we've got a, a chart on our wall where we get stickers, <laughs> you know, if we're, <laughs> if we're patient, if we're whatever else. We're getting the sticker, we're getting the, the dopamine hit, we're feeling good about ourselves because we're ticking off a list. But you're saying that's not how we read it. No. Because that's self-centred. It, it, it's still pointing the finger back at us going, hey, aren't I, aren't I deserving and that, that's not capturing the essence of what's going on here. That's not love. So how should we read it then? I should just say as well, like, I think we know in practice that's how, not, that's how love doesn't work. You know, so like Elizabeth was here before. If I do something nice for Elizabeth and I tell her about it, <laughs> you know, like I'm like, hey, I was patient with you earlier today. Um, Elizabeth has a line <laughs> in our home that maybe maybe is not that helpful, but um, awards for good boys. It's kind of like, <laughs> oh, good job, you did that, great work, or whatever. It's not love; just doesn't work like that. It doesn't work as a ticking off list. Uh, you know, you get a star for doing a nice thing. It, that's not how a marriage works. That's not how love works. We know that from yeah. our experience. It's so much more than that, isn't it? It has to be. Yeah. <laughs> so how does that sting when she comes back with that Yeah, line? yeah. Well, I, I've learned not to, uh, look, I did the dishes. It's like, no, no, yeah, <laughs> you can't yeah. say that. Oh, that's right. Uh, and I think you're capturing what it means to read it in that um, if it's not a list, we actually need to understand what's going on in each of those things described. Now, we're not going to go through each and every one. Yep. There's a sermon in every uh, description there. But... It's actually feeling the weight. If I'm patient and kind, that's actually costing me. It's not just something I can do and tick the box. I actually have to give myself, and that's really hard. You know, I can say, um, yeah, I want to be more patient and kind person, but, you know, taking up your scenario, if I go to Kim, hey, did you notice I'm more patient? It's actually, I've got to, that's really hard for me to do because uh, I can do it, tick the box, make it all about me, or I can go, this is actually going to cost me to be patient. It's hard to be patient because I want all these things. I want things to happen my way in my time. So to actually fulfill that, I've actually got to give of myself. Uh, if I want to be more kind, you know, I want to do things my way. I don't want to talk to somebody else and work with them on it. Um, so I have to give up what I want to actually live this out. And then it gets harder, man, when it talks about um, not self-seeking, not easily angered, and no keeps no record of wrongs. That's actually giving of ourselves there and giving up our rights. Now, it's my right to be angry. If you've done the wrong thing with me, you deserve to know it. I'm going to be angry with you because that's my right to give up my right and not be angry or even to keep no record of wrongs. But it's my right. You've hurt me. And to go, oh, actually, I actually have to uh, keep no record of wrongs. That's going to cost me. And when we realise that as we read this, we're actually got to give of ourselves and sacrifice ourselves because we want to build up the other, all of a sudden, this is a much heavier passage. 
a much heavier passage. And I think this is why we really struggle with it because there's, as much as we want to say we want to be this person or we are this person, there's that sort of part of our character that goes, no, nah, there is that corner in my heart that's full of pride and just won't let it go. So rather than saying, you know, I'm the loving person, I'm not, I'm not the person who Paul's talking about in verses 1 to 3, I think we all wrestle with that. Yeah. How much of it is about us and how much of it is it really about the other person? So I think it's really hard to be the loving person that this is talking about, um, particularly, we can grow in it, but to be that person fully uh, is really hard and, dare I say, impossible yeah. for us to do. Yeah, well, even in uh, the other one too there, love is not proud. It's that self-sacrificial, I can't do something and then boast about it, tick it off a list, That that's no longer loving. Um, and I think it's really helpful, as you're saying, loving, to be loving, it is sacrificial um in some ways we need to die to ourselves to actually be able to love the other person um now this screams something uh someone actually out uh, as you're saying it's impossible for us to do this of in and of ourselves but when we start looking at this description of what love is it should remind us of someone in a particular action as well you're onto it so there's something going on here that paul's i think paul's deliberately saying the words on this page aren't going to transform you we can look at this and go we need to be more like that person but he's saying you know what words don't transform us into this person but it's actually a description of jesus that when we look at jesus it's all about jesus now i know in this passage it doesn't mention jesus by name but if we read it in the context of one corinthians paul is always pointing the, the, that church back to jesus jesus is the one that makes the difference so when we see here we actually get this lesson from jesus he's going to be the one transforms us because we go well how does jesus work jesus was patient jesus was kind he did not envy he did not boast jesus was not proud and we when we read through the gospels we see jesus in action that it was never about him it was never about him being envious of the other leaders uh not jealous or anything like that uh he wasn't proud he's was always pointing giving the glory to his father he's always building up others then it goes further in verse five jesus dis did not dishonor others he wasn't self-seeking he wasn't easily angered he kept no record of wrongs and you go well how did he do that well in fact lots of people wronged jesus but in that we see he not only kept no record of wrongs, he died for the record of wrongs. Yeah, you know, he actually gave of himself fully on the cross. So he gives up his body, gives up his last breath and died for others' record of wrongs. So we could experience that, have that forgiveness. And he does that for us. So then we finish off in verse 6. Um, Jesus did not delight in evil. He rejoiced in truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. It's when you know that love of Jesus, you experience that, that Jesus is always our protector, one we can trust, one we put our hope and assurance in. He always perseveres. He's always there for us. So it's actually pointing us to the person of Jesus and knowing that love yeah. is how we tr get transformed. Yeah, so as we read this, it shouldn't be pointing us just to a list of what I need to do. It should be pointing us to a person. Yep. in jesus because we see this and yeah that's right as you said we see this explicitly at the cross you know uh, we've been working here through the book of john um at, at church over the last 
couple of months and even a couple of years really and you see this thing over and over again we saw this not too long before we had to break of greater love has no one than this to lay his life down for his friends we actually see this in jesus that he was willing to lay his life down for for people who follow him and trust him uh, and he did that at the cross and so we see that this is what love is yeah and it's we have to see that and experience that love before we can even start thinking about how do I love others in this deeper level. Because if I, if I do it my way, it's not real love. But if yeah. when I see that he's done that for me, all of a sudden I know how what sacrificial love looks like. Yeah. And I can do it for others because I've experienced it. Yeah, and, and in some ways it reverses verse 1 to 3 because in the cross we gain something. We gain a relationship with Jesus. Uh, at the cross we are something we are adopted into the family of god um the cross was not a sounding gong of you know trying to get the attention of the gods it was god entering into the world so that people could have this relationship um with the living god the god of the universe Uh, and so as you're saying when we experience this when we experience jesus we realize our identity our worth our security and that enables then to love other people without having to kind of you know, get the attention, get the affirmation, get the sticker on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fill up your chart. Yeah. The, uh, you're exactly right. It, it does change our motivation then, doesn't it? If we are trying to be impressive to God, that he should pay attention to us or we're deserving of something, or if we do this to get credit from other people, uh, as Paul said, that's not love. But if we, we do the exact same thing, but with a different motivation in that I've experienced this from Jesus, it's all about God's love poured into my heart and I want to steer other people towards God's love. You're not worried about your identity and trying to prove yourself, but Jesus has accepted you. You are in, uh, you have got his attention and you have got his love for then for us to pour that out into others. That's a huge difference. Yeah, and I think it's worth saying as well, like if, if you're sitting at home and you know, you're hearing this type of thing for the first time and maybe you've been to those weddings where you've heard these things being read out and you think this is an amazing description of love and then you get married and you're like, oh, this is more difficult than just reading it out. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's, there's, a, the, there's a reality here that if you want to experience the love that's written here, you know, the God of the universe offers that to all. And he sort of says, yeah, if you want to experience this love, put your trust in Jesus. Um, know Jesus. Um, because at the cross, we can experience this love that the God of the universe is for us. Um, and he loves us and he's died for us. There's a relation there on a relationship there on offer just to kind of let people know that you want this love, it's there for you in Jesus. Um, and if you want to do this love, then we need to find that first in Jesus and then move out. That's right. I think you've touched on something really important that often we think that I've got to be the good person, the loving person, so God will accept me. But it's actually the other way around, isn't it? Uh, we experience this love through Jesus. He's already done it. He's already dealt with our our sin and our messiness. So now we've got nothing to prove. So now we can freely give love because um, he's freely given it to us. Yeah, no. That's good. good. So as we think about then, uh, we get this, just to, to recap where we've gone. So one to three in this passage, if you're the impressive church, but you have, but you don't have love, 
you're nothing, essentially. You gain nothing, you are nothing. It's like trying to get the attention of the gods that don't exist. It's, it's pointless. Then he goes into this description of what love is. It's, it's found in Jesus. That's what love is. To do this, you, know, you need to experience that first and foremost in Jesus, and then we can love each other. But I guess it raises this question for us. We are entering into a really weird space of our church life. Um, what does this kind of look like for us in this moment uh, where we've lost the ability to gather uh, physically, we've lost so much. What does it kind of look like for us and what does it mean for us right now as we think about what is church moving forward? Yeah, so if we were preaching this passage a month ago in church, we'd go, love others, over morning tea, have conversations, serve each other. In, But yeah, we've lost all that. So this is the kick a few verses that really smacked me like a ton of bricks. When he goes on uh, in verse 8, so from verse 8, he says, Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Now what he's talking about there in the scenario of um, love never fails, remember that. We've been talking about that for like eight verses. But then he talks about, hey, there will be a time in our history, uh, and he's alluding to uh, when Jesus returns, takes us home, takes us to heaven. There'll be no need for what we do in church, in a sense, because he's saying we know in part, that's what we do in part. So even our music, our teaching, we do it to the best of our ability, but it's not the whole story. It's not till we get to heaven where we actually see God face to face. Then we'll be uh, knowing all these things completely. So it's going, there will be a time when you're going to lose all those things you think look impressive, the tongues, the knowledge, uh, the prophecy. Yeah, well, I mean, you don't need to be taught about God when you get to see him face exactly. to face. Yeah. Exactly. So Paul's putting that on the front. You know, you guys might think you look impressive now, but actually one day, that's not going not to matter squat uh, because it's going to be done so differently. Now, where I think this hits us, uh, has massive impact for us, is what Paul's talking about there is kind of a one day, it's a next life, um, you know, when Jesus takes us home thing. Church will not be as we know it, uh, but it'll be better with God. But all of a sudden you go, actually what he's talking about is happening to us now. We've lost what we call church. Um, when he's saying they, they will disappear, those things, we're going, actually, when we come in here, the welcoming faces, the conversation, the fellowship, that's disappeared how we knew it. The music, when we come in and enjoy focusing on Jesus and singing about him, that's disappeared. It's stripped all back. Um, our, our fellowship time and our, our prayer time has changed. Our teaching time has changed. What we're doing now, it's changed. So it's almost like this kind of hypothetical sort of one day we're going to lose this stuff. It's actually more real now than ever before in my lifetime, at least. Yeah, yeah. So just to make it very clear, he's talking about here in heaven, we won't need this stuff yep. because we'll be with God. Yep. What we're experiencing in this moment is a lack of teaching, a lack of music together, you know, where we sing together, uh, a lack of these things. Not because it's heaven, we're all experiencing that. Exactly. We're experiencing the difficulty of this moment. But in this passage, what he's saying is that whether it is heaven or this thing now, love is the thing that remains. Exactly. Strip everything away and what do you got left? 
Yeah. Now we could go as a church, sh- shrug our shoulders and go, we've got nothing. If we're going to obey the government, we're going to give up on everything. But actually, Paul's saying, no, it's actually love is never going to be, ta- be able to be taken away. Your love with God uh, through Jesus, uh, your love for others should never fail as well. And that changes anything. I kind of think, I kind of get this image, and it's just my image. I've never seen it anywhere in scripture or anything. But it's almost like Satan has gone, how can I um, destroy the work of Jesus in our community? Okay, let's do this thing called virus. But through this virus, we're going to strip away church. We're going to strip away their meetings. We're going to strip away their small groups. We're going to strip away everything, almost like a Job-type experience. Uh, Everything these people love about church, I'm going to take away. One thing at a time. And we've seen that over a couple of weeks. But what Paul's saying, you can actually lose those things. But if love doesn't remain, we're, we're nothing. So having that connection, Satan can't take that love from us. Yeah. Uh, so that's something we really do have to focus on. And I actually think, uh, if I can take that analogy a step further, I think this is a real test for Southside. I think it's a real test for all churches to go... What are, what are we based on? Are we based on Jesus or are we based on us and our performances? But then how do we live that out? Is love one of those things, an overwhelming thing that holds us together and makes us the church in a sense? Yeah. So if we put up the scenario, somebody walked into South, this is when church was going, this is like church BC before Corona. Yeah. Um, if, if church uh, was functioning normally, we come in here, uh, what would a person's impression be if they visited us for the first time? You know, we've got a nice building. Um, they might leave an impression, uh, hopefully a good welcome. Hopefully uh, they'd engage with the music. Hopefully, you know, they'd get something out of the sermon. The preachers weren't too bad. Uh, they got something out of morning tea and they had some good conversations. We'd like to hope that they had a positive experience. That they felt welcomed, even to say they felt at home. That's, that's definitely something we want people to experience it. What if we ask the question slightly differently, though? Would How many people would say, I really saw the love in that place. I really saw the, the people's love for God. I saw the way the people loved each other. And actually, my experience of coming here is I actually felt loved. I mean, this is the foundation of what, if we really get Jesus, this is what people's impression should be. Now, to strip that away, the Sunday service as we knew it, um, what about for us regulars at Southside? Through this season that could be months, it could be six months, it could be longer, we don't know. It's the same question of us. Let's strip away the music, let's strip away the building, let's strip away face-to-face community as we knew it. Do we still feel loved? Love through Jesus, uh, but love for each other. That's a real test for us and for all churches. Are we, is our foundation, is our, are, we, are we still rooted in that love that can never be taken away? but are we very good at it? Yeah, so I think it's really helpful of uh, some really challenging questions uh, to ask there, you know, to think about that in the church environment when that's happening. Would people come and experience love? I think that's super challenging for us to think through, Um, you know, and in some ways it would have been good to be able to preach this or to go through this passage while we could still have church to actually ask this question of of church. But then uh, to ask this question, okay, so now with all those things gone, um, is this ic- people's experience of us as well? Would they be able to say, yes, I've experienced love in this moment from 
people who go to this church or from Christians around the world. Uh, yeah. Can I experience this love in this moment? Uh, is is super helpful. I, I should just say one more thing to the the whole uh, Satan thing in this moment. I think it's a really interesting thing to think that through, and I think. We're not saying we know why the coronavirus has been caused. Um, But just when you start thinking about it in that way, I think it puts the question to us of going, this is a test for us. It's a test to see what we truly are. If being a Christian is simply, I'm going to come to church and I'm going to tick off the box, you know, I get the sticker for coming to church. If I go to growth group, I get the sticker for coming to growth group. If that's all that church is, that's not loving. We're doing it for ourselves in that moment. But if there's something deeper in those things, then whether those things are there, those events are there, or whether they're not, and we wish those events were there. We desperately wish that they were there. I mean, yeah, we would love to be able to gather to d- together today. We'd love to be able to gather um, throughout the week. But if those things are not there, love can still remain and should still remain. Yeah, it's thinking totally differently. If we think, how do we replace the Sunday morning with different things? Um, it's actually really hard to think of how do we express our love and serve each other in that way. Uh, so thanks to technology, there is a few options. Yeah, so let's move into some practical tips then. And this practical stuff of how we love each other, um, I hope it's very clear it's grounded in first of all finding the love that is on offer in Jesus and so we run to the cross we run to our God who loves us and who's for us and from there we think about okay what does it mean for us to be the church and love other people from there so practically then how can we be a loving church in this space how can we still show love when everything's been stripped away uh, and taken away yeah I've got three ideas Three ideas and I hold up five fingers. So there's probably a few sub points in that. <laughs> the um, I think we still have the opportunity to check in with each other. Now, I know we can call each other on the phone. How are you going? And hopefully one of the upsides of everything shutting down, we do have more time on our hands. Most of our nights are at home now. That it's a lot easier just to go, as soon as you think of somebody, shoot them a message, have a talk to them. But I'll tell you what I'm loving at the moment is using face-to-face stuff. I use Zoom. And um, after you get used to interacting with somebody on a screen, it actually feels really impersonal to use a phone. Uh, so we can have still have face-to-face conversations. In And what I'm finding too, if you're just on a computer screen, it's a different conversation to say like over morning tea. Over morning tea... You're looking out over everybody. There might be a bigger circle of people. You're um, looking at your kids and watching your kids. Don't get into too much trouble and stuff yeah. like that. Where this is like, no, no, we're one-on-one and we're having an intentional conversation here. Yeah. And I'd, I'm really enjoying that, yeah. to be honest. Uh, and I think I've experienced that as well with the the comparison to phone calls. Uh yeah. That when you have the video stuff, yeah. it's kind of like it's way better than a phone call. Not as good as as literally face to face. But you're right. At morning tea, it can be this thing. We're waiting for our coffee where we've got the next thing to do. I know I've been you know, guilty of that, that I can be talking to someone. And in my mind, it's I've got to have this conversation. I've got to do that next task. But when you're having that video chat, it's actually you can get your coffee before you start the conversation. Um, Now, this is something that we're pushing into as a church as well, something that we want to kind of create to help people be able to feel, I guess, this sense of love 
with online small groups. Yeah, yeah. So we've transferred growth groups. Growth groups are still meeting uh, in, in these online groups. Now, but we know a lot of people in our church don't, or aren't able to be a part of a growth group. Uh, and we realise that's, that's a real danger for people to feel isolated, not just a danger to feel disconnected from the church family, but also it's a real serious mental health thing as well, that people aren't engaging with other people. Uh, so we're going to try and get around everybody, if we haven't spoken to you yet, to, to invite people to join a small online group. Uh, so we're hoping to get you know, groups of four or five households just once a week, uh, have a night picked out, so Tuesday night, just for an hour. We're just going to ask a few questions like, how you, how you going, how you handling things? Uh, a question about Sunday, how would you find the talk on Sunday? What, what, what challenged you about that? Um, but also, what can we pray for? And if we, I'm just thinking, if we're able to focus our time on four or five households in a small group once a week, even if it's only for an hour. Imagine what that relationship could look like in six months. You've actually bonded with some people really seriously and hopefully we'll get some really good friendships out of it. Yeah, and I think I was talking to someone recently, like the, the worst thing that you would want is for us to come back in six months and see a church full of strangers. We want to... We want to gather together and actually have people we've connected with and can connect with and can show, more importantly, it's not just connections, it's not just care, it's actually deeper than that. We've experienced love from Jesus and we want to love other people. We want, that's the thing that remains and so we want to put that into practice. Um, we should just say, I mean, we'll talk about this, we'll do our announcement section after the sermon today, which if you're used to, usually used to joining us, uh, will be unusual, but if you'd like help in connecting that, we'll try and get into contact with you, but you can do us a favor as well. Get into contact with us if you'd like to join one of those groups. Uh, so that's the first one. We can care for each other. We can love each other still uh, over some other platforms, whether it's face-to-face, calling people. Um, yeah, stuff yep. like that's helpful. So that's very relational. Um, the other thing is a practical one, which... Uh, I think everybody's talking about now, check in with each other, particularly those people who are in high-risk categories, so the elderly particularly, to just say, how are you going? I'm going down to the shops. Can I get you anything? Um, you're stocked up on toilet paper. Can I get you another bag of 24? Or, um, Yeah, just genuinely show a practical love because um, it's difficult times for a lot of people who particularly can't get out or their anxiety and fear is so serious they don't want to get out but we can actually give of ourselves to help others. That yeah, way. so the encouragement, I guess, there is as a church, we can do that. Um, but I think as you're saying that, I'm reminded that we have an opportunity to be on mission in this space as well through our practical love for other people. Again, in the book of John, we saw this recently. Um, John writes, or, or Jesus said, this is how they'll know you're my disciples by the way you love one another the way we love each other, but also the way that we're loving our community is a way that people will see, hang on, there's something different about these people and it's yeah. their love. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. If you can do this with your whole street, uh, our street has had a Facebook uh, messenger group for a long time and um, it's, a, it's a great loving street. It is good. So that's the second way, yeah, practical stuff. Good. The third way is just using this opportunity to take our relationships to a deeper level. So as we're talking about... Um, the making opportunities to either phone or face-to-face, -face, a Zoom meeting or whatever format you use, um, to actually don't be afraid to ask some more um, hard-hitting questions. Because I think the danger, 
has been for us to when we chat with someone we often go hey how, how good's the weather uh what'd you do on the weekend how good are the broncos going you know the sport and god's going oh actually let's get rid of all the sport and let's get rid of all the small talk and actually you can ask somebody um not just how you're going but what are you worried about how's your job going you know what are people stressing about and what's on your mind and i'm really appreciating that opportunity to go I'm actually engaged with this person one-on-one and I can uh, actually get to know them. Time's not a problem, but I can actually get to know them and love them better through a deeper relationship. Um, So, yeah, go deeper. That's good. I think um, one of the questions as well that's worth pushing into is how are you going at trusting God in this moment? Um, I'm finding as well in that space to go deeper uh, a question that that's often you know we don't get time to pray for each other often you know on a sunday morning um when you're running around chasing after kids whatever it is or just you know you're going to lunch you've got other things on um or you know again like you're saying the footy starts at two o'clock or um you've got those other commitments all of those things are being taken away and so to actually when we call people up or chat to people ask them the question what can i pray for you is there anything i can pray for you in this moment and instantly it's getting deeper uh and again we're not doing that to to get the star on the wall it's from a genuine concern i want to pray for you i want to love you and help you in that space um so i think it's really helpful we've got this time let's not just and and you know what i'm finding it impossible to have those um surface level conversation <laughs> these <Yeah>. days <laughs> there's well. nothing else to talk about yeah. <laughs> i'd l- i long for the, the surface conversation <laughs> um but yeah. we're having those moments where we're forced to go deeper yeah yeah, yeah. I should also mention um, the trivia nights that the church has been holding has been an awesome way of connecting and just seeing people's faces. Yeah, we say that, you know, so just if you are sitting at home and you feel like you missed an invite there, it wasn't a church-wide thing, but last night a few people did gather and we just texted out what whoever people we could and said, hey, trivia's happening. Um, we'll try and do some of that stuff more and more. If you're interested, let us know. Um, yeah, because it's a little bit of fun to see who is... Um, the, I guess, <laughs> smartest overall. Um, is that your three points? I'd love to add a fourth if I can. Yep. I think um, in this time, we want to grow in the love for each other. So there's some practical stuff there. You zoom, um, go deeper, be practical at how you do that. But I think the fourth one, and, and it's almost in some ways the most important, is use this time to grow in your love for Jesus. Um, that That in this moment, if we're not, you know, I, I said this to someone recently, if this hasn't forced us or caused us to pray more in this time, then nothing will. Um, because in this moment, we're being shaken to the core. We've got all of our practical stuff, our busyness is has been taken away from us. We are freed up and we have an op- opportunity here. We can either replace that with you know, more games, more <laughs> online stuff. I don't know what it is, more YouTube videos. There's enough content there for you to, to watch until you die. Um, or we can actually slow down. We're forced to slow down, stop, grow in our love for Jesus, our appreciation of what he's done for us. And I think it's in that moment where that, that four things actually going to help us and enable us to do those other things as well. Yeah, that's right. And that's um, a really good segue into... Uh, what we're going to be trying to do in our Sunday preaching from now on. So we've almost finished a series in John and um, we'll, we'll visit John when we get to Easter. But I think there's a whole lot of issues 
that have changed our lives and changed the world that we want to speak into. And yeah, one of those things we want to hit on a Sunday is how we're using our time and having not seeing the end of six months feeling like a bear that's just come out of hibernation. You've just slept for six months and you're just sort of looking around rediscovering the world. But we actually want to finish six months, if it is six months, we want to finish six months being refreshed and feel like, yeah, I am walking closer with the Lord. I actually know other people better than I used to before. We actually do want to make this a productive time. Uh, so stuff like that we'll be pushing into um, in the coming weeks. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so from this passage, church without love is pointless. It's futile. Yeah. Uh, if that's what we've got, we've got nothing. Yeah. But a church that's grounded in the love of Jesus, um, who was patient, kind, all those things, and then who from that is loving other people, that is who we are and what we're meant to be as God's people. And that's going to go the distance, whether we can physically meet or whether we are just doing this online, or even if Jesus returns, the, th the love is what's going to take us. Uh, the distance fails. it never fails that's right and i think that's you know we didn't read verse 12 but i think if you've got your bibles there as well at home um it does finish this chapter with now the these three uh, and, and now these three remain faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love it's good it is a good reminder we timely we pray for us i'd love to pray please join me Dear Father God, we just thank you for this message. Uh, we thank you for the assurance that it gives us and the hope and, um, yeah, the excitement and joy that it gives us that no matter what's going on in our world around us, whether it be sickness, uh, whether it be employment, uh, whether it be stresses with other relationships or just anxiety, worried about the future, that your love never fails. We thank you for showing us that in Jesus. We thank you that he demonstrated amazing love, sacrificial love, that he would die for us so that we might have life. And we just pray that we will not be distracted by the anxieties of this world, but we'll use this time to draw near to you. That we'll focus on the cross to see how it transforms us, to know you and experience your love so that we might be transformed, that we might find that saving grace, we might find that peace that you offer. So Lord, I pray that you'd work in each of our hearts not just through words on a page, but Lord, let your spirit be at work pointing us to Jesus. And we just commit each and every one of us to you, whether it's in this room, in our lounge rooms, or a part of Southside, not a part of Southside. Lord, I just pray that you would use us, use this time so that we might know you more and love you more. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.